0: The Dental Brief is brought to you by Omni Premier Marketing and the amazing guests who bring wisdom and advice that you can put to use to take your business and practices to the next level. Find us on Facebook and join the conversation. Get ready to grow because we are kicking off the next episode in three, two, one.
1: Hello everyone. I am so excited for our guest today. I've had a couple of offline uh, conversations and was fortunate enough to get this guest on today's episode of The Dental Brief. So I'm glad to have her uh, here. Kate Skolnick from Australia, say hello.
0: Hi, everyone. So, yes, I am from Australia, so hence the weird accent.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and for anyone over there listening, I apologize for my weird accent, uh, as well for those people in the States. I'm from upstate New York. We don't have accents, everybody knows that. So, um, Kate, thank you for being here. Uh,
0: Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, it's great to have you here. Um, Your website is uh, SANE, social media. We're gonna get back to that in just a minute. But first I wanna ask as a marketer, how did you get involved in, in dentistry? So I know you've got an extensive marketing background, but how specifically did you get into dentistry?
0: How did I get into dental one? Well, I've had some association with medical for a fair while in that my father was a doctor. And one of my first jobs was actually, this is going to make me sound ancient, but one of my first jobs at the weekend, I used to go down and run the switchboard, which literally had cables. Yeah. (laughs) So that was in in medical and I used to follow him around the hospital when he did his, his rounds and things. But more recently, I became a life coach a few years ago, like a lot of people. And in getting my coaching business up and running, I had the opportunity to work with a dental business coach here in Canberra a couple of days a week. So I started doing all of his marketing and things just sort of progressed and more and more people were saying to him, hey, who's doing your marketing? We were getting people calling up and saying, hey, I've read your blogs. I've seen your social media. We weren't even doing any advertising. And they were saying, I know you can help me. Where do I sign? Right. So I thought, hey, I think I think I know what I'm doing with this stuff. <laughs> this is doing really well. This is powerful. So I had a lot of people asking for it. So I went, okay, I've learned about APRA, which is the Australian Health Practitioners Regulation Agency, kind of like your HIPAA. Uh, and so I just went, okay, well this this is a good start. I've got people wanting my services. Why shouldn't I help them in that way instead of with coaching?
1: Yeah. So jumped into uh, sane social media, sane social media dot com. Uh, is the website. Tell me um, why, why Sane social media? So, you know, you could have worked for an agency, you could have uh, worked one-on-one with um, Dennis, but why, what, what void did you see that made you decide, hey, I should start a niche agency in this area?
0: I just love helping people. And I thought rather than working for somebody, I had been working for somebody in different roles for all of my life. And I thought, why not work with a whole bunch of different people that I can help them grow their businesses? It was really fascinating to me to learn. Initially, in the beginning, I was working with a lot of different businesses. So I'd, I had that sort of shiny, bright object syndrome. I was like, oh, I can learn about that business. Oh, I can learn about that business. And it's fascinating. And I still feel that fascination.
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to not get distracted, right? There's so many awesome industries out is. there and so many unique things going on. And there's it so is. many ways. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: I could see so many businesses were getting, going insane trying to deal with social media. It was just yeah. driving them mad. So I went, well, okay, same social media. <laughs>
1: sure. Or when you're shopping for something for yourself and you realize, wow, the marketing in this industry is horrible, right? It's hard to not want to yep. um, jump into that. So from what I've learned from everybody that we've had on the program from Australia and from offline conversations, pretty much the problems that are going on in Australia, the practices they're facing, the dentists are facing are very similar, if not the same that's happening on here in the States and the rest of the world for that matter. Tell me, what are some of the common problems and challenges that Dennis are calling you, about, and that, you know, that you're so, about?
0: Yeah. So there's, there has been a bit of a revolution in the last 15 years where we have got a lot of very big organizations coming in. And so we have a lot of these chain sort of mm. chain organizations where they contract out subcontract to Dentists to come in and do the work, and they they charge no gap or gap free, what we call gap free, which is there is no out of pocket expense to someone who's got private health insurance. Hmm. So this means that the mum and dad dentists, the private dentists, the bespoke dental practices, whether they've got one practice, whether they've got three or four, they're finding it harder and harder to compete with those, because we don't want to be racing to the bottom. We don't want to be going, oh we've got cheaper, oh we do gap free. That can be okay for a certain amount of your clientele. But really, when you're a bespoke dental practice, it's so much better if we can show them the value of that, that they're not, we're treating our, our patients as individuals instead of as numbers.
1: Sure.
0: And so if we can do that, then that, that the people that are attracted to that will go, okay, I'm prepared to pay more because when I go into that practice, they say, oh, hi, Mrs. Skolnick, how are you today? you know, and they know what's going on with me. Oh, how's your daughter going after her car accident? You know, this sort of thing. So I get treated like a friend. Right. And the difference as well with the marketing, if we're going to do marketing for that sort of business, we want to make sure we continue with that individual, high-touch, you know, classy, elegant communication.
1: Right. So, you know, when it comes to marketing and digital marketing and, and social media for that matter, the <clears throat> budget means a lot. Right. So um, there's only so much space. It's a ridiculous amount of space, but there's only so much space available um, online. If you think about newspapers and going back to newspapers, I used to buy a ton of newspaper ads way back in the day. The ads were the price of the ads was literally dependent on who was bidding. on them. And newspapers, Hmm. if you wanted the back page would say, hey, it's 15 grand. You would say, OK, I'll buy it. You come back and say someone else offered 20. Can you do 22? And if you wanted that space, you needed 22 grand. That's exactly how Internet marketing works today, right? There's mm. only so much space available on Facebook, on Google, what have you. What do you do to compete when, when here you know a DSO um, comes in and just says, hey, we're going to spend $30,000 a month in this small market um, for our, our practice marketing, and maybe you have a budget of $3,000 a month. How do you compete against that?
0: So, part of it is working out exactly what offer have we got that is a good fit, particularly for the demographic of where the practice is located. That's part of it. And working out that we don't show that advertisement to everybody. We can niche down. We can say, okay, if we've got a great offer for kids, then let's show it to mums of kids of that certain age. If we've got, even if we've got a broader thing, like we might have a whitening offer. But the thing is, people who are in their 20s are going to have different pain points to people who are in their 30s and 40s. And so we can change the messaging and show one lot of messaging to people who are younger um, and, you know, might be more interested in the aesthetics. And then they're messaging for an older demographic about, hey, you know, build up of coffee and red wine and that kind of thing. Right. So we can kind of look at the different pain points, different messaging. And if we can make that really tailored to the individual so that it sounds as much as possible, like we're speaking to that person, that makes a massive difference.
1: Right. So it's, it's a matter of working smarter, right? Not investing more money, being smarter.
0: It is. And following up, I mean, the thing, the thing with when we get leads on Facebook, we know that they get cold really quickly. And it's really not reasonable to expect a business owner or their team to be answering calls at stupid o'clock. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. what I call stupid o'clock, most of those leads will come in out of hours and it might be 11 o'clock at night, it might be 3 o'clock in the morning, it might be 6 yeah. o'clock and I know that some some adver- advertisers will say, look, your team needs to be answering the phone calls at those times or phoning those leads as soon as they come in. Right. The strange thing is that I've spoken to people who've done that and they've gone not only does the team really hate answering the phone or making phone calls at stupid o'clock, But the lead goes, what are you doing calling me at 11 o'clock at night? Sure. Because they just, yeah, yeah. It just doesn't make sense. Having said that, we still need to make contact with the lead as soon as possible so that they know that they've been heard and that they know what to expect, what's going to happen next. So what we usually do is we can send them a voicemail drop. So no one has to do that. You know at the at the time it can just be a voicemail drop that goes hey it's dr so-and-so thanks for expressing interest in our offer our practice manager chantelle will be in touch with you shortly and then two minutes later we can send them an sms hey kate it's chantelle here's here's the how to get more information about the offer you can book online just book one of these then we can send them an email and a series of things over the next couple of days that are nurturing and help them get to know the practice rather than just constantly going, hey, have you have you booked yet? Have you booked yet? Have you booked right. yet?
1: Yep, so there's a term, a slang term, speed to lead, right? And the numbers, you know, there's depending on where you'll um, look for information, you'll get different numbers, but there's no doubt about it. Typically the first person to call to make contact with any customer in any type of sales process is gonna be the one that ends up with that customer. That's almost always, a given yeah if you can't get in touch with one, someone right away they filled out a form in the middle of the night uh on a weekend um maybe when you're super busy and you just couldn't get to them um right away if you don't get in touch with them in the next 24 hours and they haven't booked somewhere else how many touches does that person need in your experience before they'll actually respond right because i here's where i'm going with this most yeah. practices that you talk to they say oh we call them twice nothing it was bogus Yes. It was not yep. a good lead. But the reality yep. of the situation is, is you, you have to call these people. What do you think? I, seven, eight times typically?
0: It can do. It depends a little bit on a number of factors. <laughs> One is how long you've left it. Actually, I, I can't find this research, but I did come across research a couple of years ago that said if any business that gets a lead on Facebook, if they don't make contact till 24 hours later, Forgot then it. any attempt by that business to contact the lead is actually detrimental to the business. And you'll never get Mm -hmm. them back so i thought that was very interesting so certainly it depends on whether we've made contact in the beginning there so if they fill in a a form on facebook and they get an sms within a few minutes going hey thanks for thanks for this here's how here's how you take the next steps then they already know who we are if they then get a phone call from that same number then that number is kind of known to them. They don't have to have saved it in their phone, but they have already received a text message from it. So they know, you know, it's, it's a kind of a known number. If you're then, so if you're making the, the phone calls from different numbers, it can be confusing because a lot of people won't answer their phone to numbers that they don't know. Right. So yes, making a couple of phone calls It's a good idea if we have as much as possible automated Then the practice doesn't have to do as much of the heavy lifting and the team can then just make the phone calls and and leave a voicemail saying, hey, I just wondered if you had any questions, can I help you with booking? They don't have to be overly salesy. You don't have to try some sort of, you know, technique that is really smooth and really pushy and that a lot of people will feel really icky rolling out. So they can just generally be genuinely helpful hey can i help you with anything no no you've already booked or no no it's it it, you don't have any questions okay fine hope to see you soon so then the system has made some of those contacts because like you say we do need to have several contacts with a lead before they're likely to make a booking so if the system has done that for us and then the practice just calls a couple of times usually we can get up to 50 percent lead conversion
1: Right, which is just fantastic. And and frankly, most practices fail horribly at this. They end up with a do. That's a five percent lead conversion. Yep. I think when you and I use the term lead conversion, we're referring to if you get a hundred people to fill out a form, say that they're interested, that five actually come into the office. That would be five yeah. percent how we use that term. And um yeah, you're you're the the difference between lead conversion of 50% and 5% is, is really about follow up. And I just want to kind of make this clear too. Mm. Um, and I think most dentists get this, um, yeah. when they think about it, but oftentimes you might be interested in something extremely interested in it. And then you get busy, then you get distracted yeah. then you get busy, then you get distracted. Then yep. life comes up and then you get distracted. And then boom, timing works out three, four weeks later, And the next thing you know, you're booking an appointment and buying something that you really always wanted to buy. So a lot of the times it is things do happen. Um, Life gets in the way. And like you said, there's a lot of shiny objects out there uh, for everyone. So um, I want to make it clear to just I I think you did. But just to be sure, when you talk about these eight, nine, ten touches, really, the practice is only involved in one or two of those. Right. The rest of it is just completely automated.
0: Yeah. In our experience with the automation that we use, we are getting up to about 25% lead conversion, which is, as you yeah. say, someone puts their name in the, in the box and says, yes, I'm interested. So up to 25% of those actually booking just with the automation, but we can bring that right. up to 30 to 50% as high. We've had it as high as 50% if the practice just calls them even once, the line twice. So just once or twice, the first time there might not be any answer or they might leave a voicemail if they've got voicemail. And the second time, maybe they connect. So, so long as the team know, look, all you're doing is just trying to be helpful because so many of us, like you say, so many of us just get inundated with all this stuff. We mean to get to it. And if you can do this combination of text message, email and a couple of phone calls, you're getting them from different sides and text mail, text message in particular is just becoming very popular in terms of people taking action from it. It's kind of where emails were a few years ago, back in, back in the day when we'd go, Oh, I've got mail. Yay. Right. <laughs> go on, yeah. Oh, I've got a text message. It's less overwhelming than our inbox, our email inbox. So it can get really good responses.
1: Yep. Makes uh, complete and total, uh, total sense to me. So kind of a biased question. Um, that I'm gonna ask, I think you and I are a lot of our philosophies and how we work aligns. Um, but if you're looking for someone to help you, there's, there's. if you start looking at leads on Facebook, you're gonna get just bombarded with companies with all sorts yep. of offers. Most of them look too good to be true. How do you yep. sort through all of that and find somebody who is trusted that can help you actually get to where you're trying to go and isn't just another fly by night? Um, yep. Damn, yeah, look,
0: it's, it's hard because so many of them, I mean, let's face it, we're marketers, so we should be able to put our best foot forward and make ourselves look just as slick as we can, right? Yeah. And, you know, often reviews can be manipulated. So I would say, firstly, have a chat with someone and feel, just see what it feels like. I mean, do you feel like you're on the same page? Does it feel like they're trying to sell you something? Do you think there's trust there? Can you build trust? Can you build rapport? Have you got similar values? So firstly that, and then I would say have a look at their um, case studies or the results that they have been able to achieve. Being a marketer, Facebook marketer can be tricky because we don't control Facebook. Right. We're doing the best we can with someone else's tool. So we can't, often can't guarantee results, but we can say, well, this is what I've achieved in the past. This is the sort of results I got for these people. I would ask questions about the timeliness of those results. How quickly did they get results? How quickly did they start getting getting um, leads? How quickly did they start getting bookings? Because I've I spoke to someone recently who was spending three thousand dollars a month and had been for five months, and said, "I'm locked into a twelve month contract, and I haven't got a lead yet." So, and she didn't know what the problem was. So I would say, have a look at the case studies if they've got them, which they should do, and even if you're still unsure see if they've got someone that you can speak to. I mean, ha- can I speak to one of your existing or previous clients? Right. Can I speak to one or two of them? Because they will have, you know, a lot of experience to share with you, their customers. So yeah. it's just very similar to hiring a person in your clinic. We often have ref- references, written references, or we can look at their LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever, but is there anything better than calling someone who's actually worked with that person and saying, so? Tell me about Patrick.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. What
0: were the great things about working with him? Was there anything that I need to know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. 100%. I think that's uh, terrific advice. Um, One more time, the website is sanesocialmedia.com. It's a great name. Folks, go ahead and check it out. There's a free uh, assessment that you can sign up for right on the homepage. Really easy to find. Kate, thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it.